Hey there listeners, welcome to Horror Movie Club, the show where two dudes who aren't quite nerds but not quite noobs choose a movie each week to rate and review. I'm Ashvin, I'm on the phone with Brian, and today we're going to be discussing the 2021 film A Quiet Place 2, written and directed by John Krasinski and starring Emily Blunt, Cillian Murphy, Millicent Simmons, and Noah Jupe. In this film, a family tries to survive in a world that's been invaded by monsters who hunt based on sound. As usual, Brian and I are going to have a spoiler-free discussion up front. We'll take a quick break where you'll hear some music, and then we'll dive into our plot analysis. We'll be hitting some of the spoilers and get into our review. Um, Brian, I know we just did our three-year anniversary. I want to say part one of this was one of like our first episodes, right? It was, episode two. That's crazy. Uh, yeah, like three years ago on the dot, like the first episode came out and we reviewed it. Yeah, I think we dropped three episodes at the same time uh, on June 6, 2018. Wow. Yeah, yeah. And here we are three years later and so much has changed. Yeah, it's pretty wild. Yeah. And uh, the other very exciting thing is I, it sounds like this was both of our first uh, time back at the theater, right? Yeah. How did yours go? Uh, it was it was pretty good, man. The theater wasn't that packed. We were pretty well spaced out and so nice to be in like, those chairs again. And I, I just feel like this was a great movie to get that theater experience with. How, how was it for you? You know, I, it wasn't as amazing as I thought it would be. This was a great movie to experience back in the theaters, but I was kind of packed in. Really? It was like pretty busy? I felt it wasn't busy, but like everyone was sitting right by me. Yeah. (laughs) It it was probably fine, but like there were people right behind me, like one seat away on each side, Um, which again, I'm it's fine. I've been vaccinated and I wore a mask the whole time. I'm sure I'm overly cautious, but sure. it was just a weird, weird, uh, wasn't what I was expecting. Yeah. And Based I, I on think, what I've heard from everybody else. Sure. Uh, and, and, uh, I, yeah, I, I know. I think a lot of people are like pretty happy to be back in the theater, but it is, it is so weird to go like a year without like doing this and suddenly diving back into it. Our whole like ideas of like space and like of safety and safety have kind of changed. Right. Yeah, yeah, and I think I'm I'm probably in the I don't know. I guess everyone's everyone's feeling differently. I think some people are just like hesitant, no hesitancy, and they're right back in it. And I'm a uh, a little hesitant with stuff. Yeah, I feel you. I, I was a little nervous, and I think that added to like my anxiety watching this movie a little bit. But uh, I'm I, also just like I feel like I've got some like mental social stuff going on now that like completely outside of. Uh, the pandemic well because of the pandemic but not it's not strictly a health thing with me i'm just like this is weird now yeah it's it's a whole like kind of like reprogramming of like your mentality and like your psychology around public settings so uh yeah Yeah. i I think that's gonna linger probably for a while i also like we've gone to patios a few times now and gone out to eat and it's cool but you also just i don't know about you but you get right into that mode it's what you've been doing your whole life Mm-hmm. I expected like tears to be rolling down my face the first time somebody <laughs> brought me food or drink, but I was just like, cool. Oh yeah. Like it was nothing. <laughs> yeah. 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 So, oh, so that's kind of what you thought was going to happen here. There'd be some kind of like huge, like emotional release, like oh, I'm back in a the theater and this is amazing. Exactly. Okay. And it might've been more so if I had timed it so that I didn't see any of the previews or anything, but I got there a little early and I was sitting there for 30 minutes before the movie started. <laughs> and I guess I don't really miss that. Yeah, yeah, that's funny. I, yeah, I, I thought you would have like shown up right uh, on time or something to kind of limit your exposure. That's kind of what I was thinking. 
uh, you know, I, I did go, I, I picked a theater that was like really big, uh, and like kind of on the south, the south side of Chicago, uh, cause I, I thought there'd be less people there. But w- one of the great things that, and the things that, uh, I really appreciated was like the Dolby sound effect and like that whole, uh, thing they do with like, it shows like the 3D sound and it's like you're in a rainforest and it's like does all these sounds. Did you have that at your theater? I didn't have that at my theater. I, this was a theater I had never been to having just moved here. Uh, oh, I think yeah. it wasn't a great theater either. So I'm going to try another one next time. Yeah, yeah. I think it, when when that part hit, I was like, "Oh man, yeah, this is why theaters are amazing." Because uh, yeah. it really shows off the sound effects and everything. Yeah, but, I almost had a moment when I like when the movie was still hadn't come on and it was thirty minutes in that I was sitting there. I was like, "Huh, I could see movie theaters taking a permanent hit from this." Oh yeah, like like more people are just gonna stay at home and watch films. Yeah, now. just more people realizing like it's not that great, but. Yeah. I think sometimes it is. It depends on the theater. Depends on the movie. And I shouldn't have gotten there early. <laughs> yeah. I still miss it. I still am going to go to the theater whenever I can. But yeah, yeah. You know, I, I think we all got a little spoiled this last year, like watching movies at home. Like, I, I you can't really top that comfort of like not having to leave your house. Uh, you know, y- your kitchen's right there. You can like make snacks whenever you want. It is kind of convenient, and I, I do really love going to the movies. I was excited to get back, and I I, I yeah. liked it. I don't mean to just the theater experience i i hope they i hope no theaters close i hope it is booming again and that everyone can go see movies and love it but yeah it was just a a weird experience for me i guess sure sure yeah i'll take some getting used to again and uh did you miss your Asheville theater i think that would have made it better if i had was able to go to my regular theater see some of the familiar faces and and know the ropes yeah yeah totally would have felt like more like you're coming back to familiar territory Exactly. Yeah, that might have been a big part of it, actually. <laughs> Do you remember uh, the character we had built off of you of like this guy who hangs out in theaters, eats the popcorn that's left over on the ground, and then like at the end of the movie, you get up and like speak your review to like an empty theater? <laughs> yeah, I'm hoping if you'll bring that to me. People come in to clean, and they hear me like grunting around on the floor. <laughs> they just let's just wait out here till he's through. Yeah, <laughs> he's finishing up the popcorn now. Yeah, yeah. And I, I hope you bring that character back to, to Minnesota. That'll, that'll be good. <laughs> sure, sure. <laughs> All right, well, cool. Yeah, yeah it's, a, it's a nice nice return to form, and uh, hopefully we get back into the swing of uh, theater viewing. Um, so, yeah, and obviously this one is a great one to see in theaters. Um, even Dr- John Krasinski, I think, pops up at the beginning, and uh, he like kind of says something about, like, I'm glad you're in the theater seeing this. I think this movie was like meant to be seen in theaters, according to him, right? <laughs> yeah, according to the director. Yeah, yeah. and, you know, there... I, I do think that's true. A few scenes especially, I will say there were a couple of scenes where I was like, all right, I'm glad I'm in a theater for this. Right, right. There's something about like the silence and, and uh, seeing it on the big screen that, uh, in, in like a theater setting that really hits with this film. Yes. Uh, and uh, it's really interesting that this film, I feel like uh, it was going to be released on like March 20th of last year. So basically like right when things got uh, kind of crazy here and everything shut down. And then I, it looks like it kept getting pushed out. It was pushed out all the way till September of this year, but then moved back up to May. Is that what you saw? Yeah, isn't that wild? I feel like it's the only time anyone's moved a movie up in this yeah. period of history. Right. Yeah, I, I, I was so surprised to see that. Um, do, you, do you think they just saw like vaccination rates or like positivity rates coming down and they, they figured that it was safe enough to open up? Yeah, I imagine they were just ready to get some of that cash back. Sure, sure. Yeah, I mean, this was one I was really excited about for last year, and I was really bummed it got pushed out, but uh, glad glad it, we didn't have to wait till September of this year, so that was nice. Um, Indeed. 
Yeah. Uh, so for, from a, you know, behind the scenes standpoint, uh, it, it sounds like John wrote this one and, uh, the writers from the first one, I think you had this guy named Scott Beck and Brian Woods, who are also writers in the first one, they didn't come back. And so it's kind of cool that, uh, it went from, you know, like three writers down to one writer. Could, could you sense that at all in the writing? I didn't really sense that. I thought the writing in the first one was really good and I thought it was really good in this one as well. Yeah, surprisingly consistent, right? I didn't feel like you're missing two out of the three writers. Yeah, they both felt like pretty focused stories. Yeah, right, right. Hey, one thing I remember, uh, correct me if I'm wrong, but the first movie, wasn't there a talk of that being part of like the Cloverfield universe? There was, yeah, because everyone knew that uh, Michael Bay was working on it, right? Oh, yeah, yeah, I forgot, <laughs> yeah, I meant to make a note of that. Uh, yeah, and this one, too, my, it's like a, a production company that's run by Michael Bay, right? Or was it that J.J. Abrams was involved in the first one? Because was Abrams, oh, gosh. Abrams I'm going to get a bad it. review now. It's confusing. <laughs> uh, you know, I know Abrams did Cloverfield, uh, but I don't remember him being involved with the first uh, Quiet Place. I, I, yeah, I know, we'll have to look, look that one up again. Yeah. But or Michael you can, Bay's... You can, uh, <laughs> If you're brave, you can go back and listen to our episode on the original. I'm sure it's even more horrible than this one. <laughs> I know. Like being one of our first episodes. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah, yeah. But but Michael Bay's company, I think, is still behind this one. And I, I love how pushed back his name is. Like, you don't see it until, like, the end. Uh, obviously pretty purposeful, right? I don't know, man. I, I think uh, when they own production companies, you don't necessarily see their name right up front. You just see the name of the company. Yeah, but don't you feel dunes. like... Don't you feel like if they led with, like, produced by Michael Bay or, like, you know, had his name in the trailers or anything, like, people would be kind of turned off by that? Maybe. Maybe he puts his name at the front of, like, big, loud action movies, like a Transformers movie he'd be more willing to put his name up in the front of. Right, right. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, I'll be interested to talk about how this compares to a Transformers movie. Krasinski has a production company, too, now. Uh, Sunday Night Production. Oh, were they involved with this? Yeah, co-produced by Platinum Dunes and Sunday Night Production. Oh, cool, cool. Okay. Uh, yeah, that's awesome. And uh, the first film, uh, I didn't go back and listen to our recording of it, but um, I like we were pretty high up on it, right? Like four, four, four and a half or so. I gave it a five. Oh, okay. Did I give? Can't it a five? remember what you gave it. I think yeah. you might have given it a five. Yeah, yeah, I think so. I think we were, we both kind of loved that one. That was a great one. Um. The budget for this one, uh, obviously, like crazy, surpassed the first one. I, I think the first one was seventeen million. This one, sixty-one million. So what is that like three times the budget? Yep. Yeah, and then um, so far it's been like the biggest opening weekend uh, of the pandemic. So it's one hundred forty-three million. Um, but yeah, it's it's kind of a strange year to compare it against. Um, what? Oh man, what was the revenue on the first film? Do you you have that number by any chance? Three hundred forty million internationally. Oh, okay. Got it. So we're like halfway Which, there, like a few weeks in. Yeah, I mean, honestly, to be at 140 right now for uh, in the pandemic, that's pretty good. Yeah, yeah, that's impressive. And it, it sounds like they're going to bring this to streaming on like Paramount or something in the next few weeks. Yeah, 45 days from its release. So it re- got released on May 28th. So yeah, sometime in July. Okay, cool. Excellent. Um, any other background you want to share on this film? Uh. Alan Rotten Tomatoes, it's got a 91 critics and a 93 users. That's high. Very high scores. Uh, yeah. There's a third installment in the works. Yeah, yeah, I know. Uh, I, I feel like they left the end kind of uh, leading towards that, so that, that makes a lot of sense. 
Sure. And uh, a spinoff set to release in 2023. What? Really? Yeah. Huh. That's wild. Hey, uh, uh, <laughs> what's the difference between a third film and a, and a spinoff? Like, uh, I mean, yeah, I all... mean, a spinoff is kind of like a side plot. Okay. It yeah. would maybe not follow the same characters. Okay. Okay. Got it. Sure. Follows a different angle or something. Yeah. Yeah. Yes. It could be like set in the same world. Sure. Sure. Okay. I feel like the term spinoff is often used in sitcoms. Like if a side character of a TV show gets their own yeah. show. Like yeah, Mary yeah. Tyler Moore. Rhoda was a spinoff of Mary, Mary Tyler Moore. Oh, yeah. You ever watched that show? Uh, Mary Tyler Moore? No, Rhoda. I'm not sure if I've seen much of Rhoda. I think you, you had a big crush on Rhoda, right? Uh, wow, good memory. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, that's, every time I see her, I just think of you. <laughs> I had a crush on Rhoda as a kid. Yeah, I, I kind of do these days, too. She's she's good. I wonder uh, what she's up to now. Yeah, yeah. Is she still with us or not? Yeah, I don't know. That's, that's a really good question. I have to she check on that. that. Yeah. Um, but yeah, yeah, I, I hear you. Uh, it'd be really interesting to uh, know what direction. I feel like there's so many directions they could take this in on, on a spinoff. So I wonder who they're going to follow. Uh, what about anything else? Any other background? Oh, Marco Beltrami did the score. Oh, okay. Cool. He didn't Great do the score. first one, did he? I think he did. Oh, okay. But cool. I can't remember. I should have listened to that first episode. Yeah, but yeah, the score really stands out in this film. Yeah. Great music. I don't know if we talked about it in the first discussion of the first film, but um, Millicent Simmons, she lost her hearing due to a medication overdose. Oh, wow. Can you imagine? That's insane. Yeah, I had no idea. And uh, she recently helped design a face mask with a transparent panel for the hard of hearing and deaf to read lips and see facial expressions. Whoa, that's awesome. Yeah, and then the proceeds went to support deaf and hard of hearing organizations. So that was a pretty cool, fun fact I learned about her. Yeah, that's awesome. Do you know, have you seen her like do any other film work? I haven't seen her in much else. I didn't really look at her filmography. Yeah, yeah, I know. And I feel like she's so like tied to this franchise. Uh, yeah, yeah, I'd, I'd be interested to see if she's like branching out from this film at all. Uh, yeah, I, would ha- I have a feeling she's got a, a bright future ahead. Yeah, yeah, definitely. Great actress. It's kind of easy to forget that uh, there's like another language in these movies, American Sign Language. Like, right. You kind of forget that it's a subtitled movie. Yeah, yeah, I know, I know. I think it, it pulls you into it so much that, yeah, it's just kind of there. That's that's interesting. Though in this one, um, I, I feel like you had more people speaking uh, in sign language uh, in, uh, in the first one than this one, right? Yeah, there was much more uh, audible speech in this one. Mm-hmm. Yeah, yeah, right. Because they yeah, were in yeah. some soundproof type settings. Soundproof settings, you had some different characters, and she wasn't, like, with the family the whole time. She's with, like, different people who right. may not know sign language, so yeah. Yeah, that's true. That's true. Yeah. Yeah, um, that's awesome. This is a PG-13 horror movie. Yeah. How do you feel about that? I'm fine with it, man. <laughs> yeah. I, I don't think it need. I've never felt once this really should have been R. Did you ever feel that way? Uh, I, a little bit, uh, I just always wonder, like, when you're making a horror film, like, why hold yourself back and go PG-13? Is, is it, are you trying to, like, appeal to a larger audience? Which, I mean, these days, like, who isn't seeing, uh, our movies anyway? Um, or is it, like, uh, just you didn't want to get into, like, gore or anything? Uh, wh- wh- what do you think the rationale is? I think to appeal to a wider audience, for sure. These are big movies. Yeah, yeah. But- these are, like, cultural events. Who who isn't seeing an R-rated movie these days? So like anyone over thirteen, they, they got to be like they have access to like watch R-rated movies these days, right? 
it still depends on the parents i think a lot man even with like all these streaming services you got hbo netflix this is going to be on paramount how are they even like enforcing these ratings anymore like are we still in a world where people under 17 aren't getting access to this stuff when you're making a movie this big you're really when it comes to the rating you're concerned about the box office more than the streaming yeah right that's where you're going to make the big bucks so in terms of the theater then yeah i would assume between the theater and the parents that a lot of people would be shut out from an R movie. You still think you still think like theaters are as adamant as they were back in like the 90s, 2000s about like carding anyone who looks under 17? Yeah, I, I would imagine so, but I, I don't have any experience with that. And, you yeah. know, even um, like let's say my wife or my in-laws or my parents, they'd be more likely to go see this movie knowing it's only PG-13. Mm, yeah, yeah, interesting. Yeah, I, I didn't realize, but people like still kind of looked at that and it like yeah, symbolized anything to, to like an audience anymore. Yeah, because uh, I think this is a crossover hit, right? It's not just yeah. horror movie fans that go see these movies. Yeah, yeah, good point. Good point. This is more kind of uh, I have this like an action element, adventure element, sci-fi. Yeah, I looked up okay. a list of some PG thirteen horror movies. Would you like to hear some? I would. <laughs> Lights out. Oh, really? Yeah. Wow. The Final Girls, The Ring, The Others, The Grudge, Insidious, Mama, 1408, Cloverfield, The Sixth Sense, and Drag Me to Hell. Wow, Insidious, The Ring. Quite a few of those are pretty scary, man. Yeah, yeah, and, and uh, huge box offices, which I wonder if, if that's like tied to it being PG-13. Yeah, I mean, that's what people said for a long time. I think, I feel like I recently saw some data on it that said that may not necessarily be true, but the mm-hmm. long-held thing you always hear is that pg-13 is the most uh the highest earning rating yeah 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 i guess that that, that makes sense then good good uh commercial move here then yeah cool i yeah i i don't know i i still prefer r when it comes to horror just because um you, you can kind of sense these movies hold back a little bit like uh versus like a true horror film which yeah i guess to your point is purposeful to attract the mainstream but uh, as like us as like horror enthusiasts you don't feel like you'd rather see an R and in, in someone like committing to the genre versus kind of playing to the, the, the mainstream crowd no I, I think there's a place for both yeah <laughs> alright it's Mr. Pop I mean, Radio uh, what'd you say? <laughs> oh I just called you Mr. Pop Radio but yeah sure <laughs> <laughs> Yeah, I know there is a place for both, but don't you think, like, uh, given our interest in this genre, like, we should be more uh, purists in in that, like, things should be horror and should be rated R and disturbing, uh, etc.? No, I don't think so, man, because I think sometimes not seeing things can be even scarier. It's just a different type of movie. And there should be levels, there should be tiers of horror. Like, you should be able to take your kids to see this movie some somebody from our discord posted uh pick with their kids in the theater not that they mm-hmm. wouldn't take their kids to an r-rated movie too but it's just nice to have some yeah. entry-level stuff where you can ramp them up sure. regardless of whether you're gonna have your kids watch an r-rated movie before they're 17 which is a totally arbitrary number anyway yeah it's nice to have these entry levels like i know when my kid both my kids as they grow up i'm gonna want to try to introduce them to horror that's appropriate for wherever they're at with their yeah. little minds and hearts if they're seven and they're ready to watch r i'll let them see it but if they're 14 yeah. and not quite ready to go to r then that's where we'll be and this movie would uh check that box for you yeah yeah, yeah that makes sense 
Uh, yeah, yeah. All right, I'm, I'm with you. You got me there. All right. Well, should we quit arguing about it and go to our Ohio connection? <laughs> yeah, let's do it. All right. Our Ohio connection, as always, comes from our friend Alex, who owns the Jukebox Bar and Restaurant in Cleveland, Ohio. Go get a beer on their patio. Uh, Alex connects every movie we watch to our hometown of Ohio for us. And Alex says, A Quiet Place 2 is a post-apocalyptic horror film sequel about a family that is forced to navigate and survive in a world inhabited by blind monsters with an acute sense of hearing. At one point in the film, the characters find a radio frequency which plays Beyond the Sea on loop, a song popularized by American singer Bobby Darin. The song itself is derived from a French song, La Mer, meaning the sea. Beyond the Sea has been covered by numerous artists including Benny Goodman, Barry Manilow, Rod Stewart, Jeff Lynne, and Deanna Martin, daughter of notorious rat packer Dean Martin. Dino Paul Crocchetti, a.k.a. Dean Martin, was born and raised in Steubenville, Ohio. Whoa, I didn't I know that. I never knew that. Yeah, that's huge. That's incredible. Yeah, thanks, Alex. That's a good one. Yeah, yeah. Man, I'm going to look at that guy differently now. That's cool. <laughs> I'm going to tack a little something extra on. This part of this movie was filmed in Akron, New York, which <laughs> shares the name of my hometown, Akron, Ohio. Yeah, I saw Akron. I got really excited. Uh, I, I thought they were talking about Akron, Ohio, but I didn't recognize Akron, Ohio in this at all. <laughs> Akron is Greek for high point, so. Oh, cool. That's interesting. Yeah. Yeah, I guess Akron has some valleys, right, in Akron, Ohio? Uh,. Yeah, well, it's a high point, but yeah, and it's in Summit County. Oh, yeah, wow. Damn. Summit meeting high point as well. Exactly. Cool. All right, All right yeah, let's move on, and hopefully we'll hit a high point. <laughs> yeah, it's coming. <laughs> There's got to be one somewhere. <laughs> yeah. All right, man, yeah, let's uh, jump into the review uh, and uh, go through the plot and, and some, hit some of the spoilers. Uh, but before we do that, do you mind if we take a quick break? There's just something I got, I got to look into really quick. Sure, man. All right, cool. Thanks. I'll be right back. Hey, Brian. Sorry about that. I'm, I'm back. Everything okay? Yeah, you know, I had the radio on, and they're playing this song, uh, Driver's License by Olivia Rodrigo, and I thought for a second that they, there might be some kind of encrypted message in it, so I went down to the BMV, but they had no idea what I was talking about, <laughs> so it was, it, was, it was a fail. You ever, you ever hear the radio sometimes and think they're talking to you, and there's like some secret code in there? Uh, no, but man, have you ever heard of uh, numbers stations? Uh, numbers? No. What is that? It's just, I think you can find them... But I don't know if you find them via like CB radio, but they're just frequencies that emit like strange noise. And every once in a while, there'll be an intermittent code or sound effect. Wow. Um, yeah. It's pretty and nuts. Is it like the government or someone or aliens or something? I'm not sure if we necessarily know who wow. who they all belong to. Yeah. Wow. Number stations. That, that sounds really interesting. Yeah. I heard a, a Stuff You Should Know episode on it once. It was really intriguing. Oh, cool! Yeah, very cryptic stuff out there. That's cool. Yeah. Um, so yeah, maybe the some of the underlying logic in this movie isn't entirely uh, out of place. Uh oh, we'll here out. we go. 
Yeah, <laughs> and it begins. <laughs> so this movie starts uh, on the first day of this attack, which is cool because I, I think the last movie, uh, the part one of this, you kind of jumped in like already a few days into, um, you know, like the world kind of being taken over by these monsters. This movie starts on on day one. Uh, we're in this quiet New England town. There's a softball game going on. We see the family that we saw in the first movie. Uh, they're the Abbots, and uh, John Krasinski's in there. He's the father. His name is Lee. Um, the softball game gets interrupted when there's this kind of flame in the sky and it looks like something's falling down on Earth. There's a sense of panic as people start to kind of rush to their t- uh, their cars and, and start to scramble home. And then things just start kind of uh, blowing up. Uh, the monsters start attacking. There's uh, a monster in a bus. There's one like uh, attacking people on the streets. Um, Jim, or not Jim, but uh, John Krasinski's character, Lee, and his daughter try to hide out in a bar, and that, that's attacked by one of the monsters. And um, even the mother, Evelyn, uh, they're driving away, but um, they run into a bus that has uh, one of the monsters coming out of it. Uh, so pretty uh, epic for a scene. What, what, what did you think of this? I thought it was great, man. I, I loved everything about it. Um, I really love that they give you the small town feel at the beginning, make you feel like Lee knows everybody. Um, mm-hmm. He like grabs something from the market, and he's in that same market that they were in at the very intro of the of the first movie. So yeah, you see like the spaceship that's there that ends yeah up killing yeah. Their kid. yeah. So they they have some nice nods to the first one and continuity. Uh, with everything being as it was, it, you know, it translates well to the town they inhabit in the first one because it, it is the same town, obviously, but they do a good job of making sure you know that yeah. um, and that visually it all matches up. <laughs> I notice as he's walking down the street, he, like, takes a bite of an apple. Have you noticed that, like, an apple is the most casually cool thing to be snacking on in a movie? <laughs> it is. <laughs> Would you like prefer like a banana or something? It's just like a standard like cool guy to like lean up against a pillar and take a bite of an apple. Yeah, yeah, yeah. That's true. Those, <laughs> there's a whole like brand behind apples. It's just like how cool it is to eat an apple with your yeah. like your your leg up on the on the wall. Exactly. I don't know why. Yeah. Uh, and uh, you get a little bit of character development. All the characters do little nice things for each other here and there. Like Lee bought the snacks. Millicent helps him cut something he's struggling with. The little brother gives his big brother gum, and they're encouraging him as he goes to bat. Like the the first one has some of that stuff too. They're all doing nice stuff for each other, so you can get a, get on board with the family. Yeah. And then when the mom's in the car driving, that was a moment where I was like, "I'm glad I'm in the theater." That felt like a Universal Studios ride or something. Oh my god! When like you're seeing like what she's seeing out of the front window. Yeah, it's like you're windshields. sitting in the back seat of the car. Yeah, yeah, and you're seeing like this bus coming barreling down at them. I, I love that scene. That's that's so great. Yeah, so cool. All all of the camera work in in this first uh, opening scene, I feel like they use a lot of like long single shots that just kind of follow the characters as like the sense of panic is growing. And they did a really good job, I think, of like kind of showing that first person viewpoint of like this town that's like slowly, you know, there's like this nervousness, some some anxiousness coming in on like the, no one knows really what's going on, and then the attacks start happening and things just start going uh, into chaos. I, I thought the camera work really captured that. I agree, man. And there's a little quote from the cinematographer, Polly Morgan. She says, John wanted to always keep the camera moving and create long wonders to play with rhythm and tension and to show how normal life can suddenly become very different and mm. dangerous all in the same shot. Yeah. And that, yeah, they, uh, that really rings true. Yeah, yeah, they really captured that. That was pretty awesome. 
Yeah, um, and then I love as the scene, the opening scene ends, they, um, they're they hiding behind a cop car covering their ears as this cop is like shooting at a monster and possibly getting killed by the monster. And then they transition, That's that gunshot becomes the gunshot of the mom killing the final monster from the first one, and we pick up exactly where the first movie left off in their home's yeah. basement. Yeah, yeah, so it's such a great way to, to, to like catch right up to date, right? Yeah, really go, cool. Go and, and that way, like... That was day one, and then we transitioned to day 444, which is where right. the first movie left off. Yeah, yeah, exactly. And it's kind of nice because you, they still develop the characters throughout, but you got a lot of character development in right off the bat. Yeah, yeah, just in that opening scene. And it's yeah. great, like, continuity with the, with the first film. Yeah, yep. Um, I know, I think this was, like, your number five on, like, top uh, openings, the, the part one at least. Uh, how, how do you feel like this one compared like you know looking back if you were to make a top five list again would you still put like the opening for part one above this one or did you feel like this one might be a little better I would still put part one above this one but this one uh this one could be on a list yeah yeah I feel like it was like a kind of like a cool kind of like blockbuster kind of opening yeah yeah it really and- was and you know it wasn't clear to me in the first one that these were aliens but they kind of like answered that right off the bat here they did was that clear to you in the first movie no, it wasn't super clear from my memory of the film, but yeah, they mm-hmm. show that right off the bat, and they do a lot more, it seems like it at least, my memory of the first one is spotty, but it seems like we get a lot more camera time with the the monsters, and they're like right up in the camera, we get really good looks at them. I think we do yeah. in the first one too, but it seemed like they got even more screen time here. Yeah, yeah, I, th- I think in the first one, it's it's a good amount of time before, like, you're up and close intimate with a monster. In this one, like, in the opening scene, you have, like, monsters, like, right on camera that are attacking. So it's cool to, to see that finally. Which makes sense and I think is a good choice because we already know what the monsters look like. It's not like in the first one where you're like, okay, hold hold back as long as you can to create tension. We know what these things look like. So, yes, you still got to do a sum of that, but... Right, right. Yep. Yeah, exactly. Uh, cool. Well, yeah. Uh, so moving on, then, uh, you, if, yeah. From there, we jump to day four hundred forty-four, where where is the where the first film end, where the first film ended, and Evelyn uh, and family had just figured out how to kill the monsters using, uh, is it Regan? Is that the daughter's name? Yeah, Reagan. Oh, Reagan. Okay. Uh, Reagan. Um, and and uh, just for people who might forget from the first film. They've remembered how to, or they figured out that uh, Reagan's earpiece, uh, the feedback from that can uh, disarm the monsters, remove their shelling, and then you can, they're susceptible to gunshots and things like that. So, the yeah, the, the movie jumps to there. They've just killed the first monster. Um, the, uh, Lee, the husband, John Krasinski, his character has died. So it's uh, Evelyn, the mother, the daughter, Reagan, the, uh, her son, Marcus, and uh, the baby. They decide to move on uh, and leave where their their shelter and go find somewhere else. They journey out. They find this other survivor, but on the way, uh, Marcus gets snagged in this uh, bear trap and screams, which draws another monster to them. Uh, and we kind of see Evelyn and Reagan band together again and, and uh, use that device that we know from the first one to amplify the feedback and kill the monster. So it's just kind of a cool way to remind us that, like, yeah, these two know how to kill monsters now and they, and they do it. Did you, did you like this kill? Yeah, I think this is a good example of moving the action forward but still getting you back into the world and reminding you about things from the first one without being, like, doing a whole Friday the 13th 2 type thing where you 
replay the entire movie in the first like 10 minutes <laughs> oh man <laughs> that would have been hilarious <laughs> yeah yeah this is a lot more of a, a modern take on like how you remind an audience of like what, what these people are up to right right it, it it fits perfectly well in the plot of this movie but it's a nice reminder yeah and, and it's cool like how down they've got this to like a science like uh, a monster is coming she like knows to plug it in the amp uh to put the feedback onto it while the mother draws the gun and shoots it they're like kind of like a great duo here yeah like, killing very cool so another monster is approaching them and they're saved by this other survivor this guy named Emmett, uh who hides them away in this abandoned steel factory did you realize at this point that Emmett was the guy from the opening scene at the softball game yes Oh man, I didn't realize that. <laughs> uh, he he looks so different. We all look <laughs> the same. I know he he had a beard and everything. I mean, he's, I, I thought a whole different look here. Um, so that night, uh, Reagan and Marcus uh, are listening to this radio, and and the song comes on "Beyond the Sea," and uh, it's being played on the radio. Um, Reagan puts it together that the song might be a clue that there are other survivors living on an island and decides that she needs to go out and find uh, this island and maybe be able to kind of weaponize what you know they figured out works uh, by putting the feedback on you know national airwaves or something. So she leaves in the middle of the night hoping to find these survivors. Uh, on her journey though she finds herself uh, stuck in an abandoned train with a bunch of dead bodies. A monster shows up and corners her. She's not able to draw her gun quick enough but fortunately Emmett uh, shows up just in the nick of time and kills the monster. Uh, what you, would you think of this attack scene? Uh, I thought it was cool. Yeah, yeah, me too. I, I do find it interesting, though, that if... We'll get it out. There's a million different ways to poke holes in the logic in both of these movies, and I, I feel like it's a hang-up for some people. Some people can get over it. One thing that didn't quite add up to me, but they're aliens, so who knows. I'm not sure of any animal that would get shot and have a horrible sound in its ears that would keep approaching its prey mm, do you think like, it would have like learned there's a little bit of self-preservation there right where you'd get out of there but it's an alien who knows yeah yeah um well most of these aliens are getting shot once and then killed right what i mean like once uh they're being disarmed by the uh feedback yeah but in this scene reagan shot it got oh, a good pretty right. good shot in and she was doing the feedback and it kept coming at her and then finally Emmett right. shot it and killed it yeah good point yeah i forgot it got shot once yeah yeah you're right yeah you think you get shot once what do you do you quickly attack then or you like retreat i <laughs> i would certainly retreat yeah i these monsters I wouldn't are, even are really... assess my wound yeah yeah these monsters are so strong though and i think this movie showcases like their strength pretty well too so i wonder if like it got shot and it's like uh, you know, um, uh, at this point like they like nothing had basically hurt these guys, so I, I don't know if there's like a, an ego here at play or something. <laughs> <laughs> Can't let her see my weakness. <laughs> yeah, exactly. <laughs> We've killed so many. I mean, it'd be weird to shed a tear at this point. So one um, thing I may have missed, she had the idea from the get go that she could maybe amplify her her signal from her hearing aid. Mm-hmm. Okay, all right, and broadcast oh. it. Oh, oh, no, no, sorry, sorry, that, that was a question, I, I thought you were making a statement there. Uh, oh, uh, yeah. Because I, she I, said something about her hearing aid in that scene, and I missed it, and that's when I wished I was at home so I could rewind. I thought, That like, must have been what she said, she may have had that idea from the get-go. 
the the fact that she could amplify oh oh you mean from the radio right that she could broadcast the signal oh. over the radio yeah yeah no actually i'm with you i don't think she said that i, I think when i read the plot later it's it, it, she uh that, that it kind of like says that's what her goal was but yeah i was wondering too like why are you after this band of survivors uh i, I don't know if that was like her intention from the beginning i think so, it yeah. might have been because she i could have sworn when they're in that little soundproof tank in emmett's mm-hmm. hideout that she like points to her hearing aid um and I, I didn't catch what she said, but I was like, why is she talking about her hearing aid right now? And that might have been why. Oh, okay, okay. So she's had this plan that I got to get to that radio station and put this feedback on there. Yeah, yep. Okay. Also, yeah. with this uh, tank in Emmett's hideout, we get some foreshadowing here because they can get in and it's totally soundproof to hide from the monsters. But as soon as they get in, they've got to start a timer that yeah, tells them yeah. how much air they've got left. Yeah, and as soon as you see that, you kind of know, like, oh, this is going to suck for someone later. Yeah. 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 Um, and this is a uh, storytelling concept that Big Turkey brought up in our Discord server recently, so I'll give give him some credit. Ah, cool. Called Chekhov's uh, Gun, which I think we've probably all heard of. It's His quote is, if in the first act you have hung a pistol on the wall, then in the following one it should be fired. Otherwise, don't mm. put it there. Okay, cool. Is that Chekhov from, uh, like, Star Trek or something? <laughs> no, it's a, an, a playwright. And maybe oh. novelist called An- named Anton Chekhov. Okay. Cool. <laughs> Close. <laughs> yeah, yeah. That's that's cool. I, I thought um, Anton Ch- I thought I thought that was the Star Trek guy. That's basically, the antithesis of everything in Army of the Dead. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> they did the exact opposite. <laughs> oh man! Uh, all right, yeah. I got got to ask you about something later. Wait, did um, you, are you saying that Anton Chekhov wrote Star Trek? No, I thought that was the character's name in Star Trek. The that 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 dude. The the isn't there like a dude in there who's played by um that actor Anton? <laughs> did the actor Anton play a guy named Chekhov or something? Does this any of this uh, sound familiar to you? Nope. Let's keep going before we sink further into the mud. <laughs> all right, all right, uh, all right. So. Uh, Emmett agrees to help uh, Reagan get to this island uh, to test out this theory that there might be survivors out there. They make their way down to a dock, but on the do- on this dock, they're confronted by this group of uh, a gang of survivors who've kind of turned violent. And there's an altercation here, and they start to take uh, Reagan hostage. But Emmett's able to turn the tables by call- making a bunch of noise, drawing the monsters in, and then jumping into the water while the monsters kill everyone. And so him and Reagan escape, um, and we also kind of find out at this point that the monsters uh, are susceptible to water and they can't swim. Uh, what did you think of this whole scene at the, at the dock? I thought it was really cool. I thought it was a well-done action sequence. Yeah, yeah, it was It was done really well. It really drew you in, like you don't know what's going on there, who these people are. And then, then you know, they, I, I think this also kind of is like a, one of the Chekhov gun things, because uh, doesn't he talk earlier in the movie about like you don't know what these people have become or something? He, he does, like, yeah, that's true. He's like, people have changed now. Survivors yeah, yeah. have changed. Yeah, um, so that, it's cool they show that. They also bring something back in the very first scene at the baseball game. He Someone slides into their base, and he asks, uh, Emmett asks Reagan how to say dive in sign language. Yeah, and that comes back here, too. Yeah, and then he says it to her to jump in the water, and he's going to make noise. Uh, yeah. And one of the ways he makes noise is by stabbing the guy in the leg so that he screams, and then he like oh. holds him up as a hostage and jumps in the water at the last second. Yeah, that was brilliant. That, that was, was so really cool. cool. I loved that action scene. And and yeah. this is a point in the movie where we begin 
basically kind of from here on out toggling between three different character stories all happening at the same time yeah yeah that, that's uh, i want to ask you how you thought because yeah well, while this is going on at the same exact time we're uh, on sequences that focus back on evelyn and marcus were back at the warehouse uh they're dealing with a monster there uh marcus has obviously gotten stuck in the what you just mentioned the airtight uh soundproof place and is running out of oxygen Evelyn's in there trying to save him, but there's a monster, and she's like, turn on the sprinklers, she's trying to explode the monster. Um, so we're, we're toggling back and forth between basically two or three scenes of uh, what's going on on the dock, what's going on at the warehouse, uh, and like what Evelyn and Marcus are seeing. Uh, did, did you like this kind of camera work and like jumping between each of these scenarios? I did, man. I, I know we've seen in the past how that can really take the, uh, the air out of a, a scene, like kind of kill it deflate it um and help you lose tension instead of gaining tension but i thought it worked well i thought it made each scene more intense and it was all happening at the same time um and they end up kind of overlapping towards the end so i thought it worked perfectly and it was great direction and editing and the score was awesome for this as well i thought they successfully made each scene more tense via the toggling but what did you think Interesting. Yeah, I, I thought it worked. It was like really entertaining and it was great. But part of me wonders if it like kind of breaks the continuity or the continuity of each individual sequence uh, to be jumping from like, oh shit, like these guys are being attacked by this gang and now we're like looking at another character and what, what's, what they're going through. So uh, I don't know, I kind of want to do like a A-B test to know like, well, we saw this version. I wonder what it would look like if you had like given each of those scenes like their full play so that you're kind of like stuck in one character but yeah it was entertaining and it worked i'm just i'm not 100 percent sure that was the best way to go okay but i mean i guess yeah but but it was, it was, it, they did it really well like every every like what each time uh, you had a climax in one sequence you almost kind of had a parallel climax happening in the other sequence right exactly it wasn't like you left the climax to come back on to a, a less tense scene like they all escalated in tension it was like the same roller coaster ride with three different tracks yeah, yeah, yeah. They had the timing on, on all these are really good and well aligned. Yeah. Um, did you get some like alien vibes when uh, she turns the sprinklers on and it's just, she's like kind of face to face with that alien? Or the I monster? didn't. I didn't. But uh, yeah, interesting comparison. Yeah, I don't know. That maybe I'm imagining something there. Um, I almost yeah, get I, an alien aliens vibe from this sequence. Like the first one being a bit more about tension and scares and the second one being a bit more action driven oh yeah yeah totally yeah this one definitely feels a lot more action uh so yeah that which brings us to kind of our final act here so Emmett and, and uh, reagan they escape uh the docks uh on a boat and they come to this island and they find uh, a bunch of people hanging out like now that like everything's normal like uh they just having a cookout and stuff and all these survivors who made it out to this island uh once they realized that these monsters couldn't swim so um, they talk to the people there, and they come up with this plan to transmit the frequency or the feedback on, on the radio tower on the island to help people on the mainland uh, use this. But uh, before they can get to the radio tower, uh, they f- stumble upon a boat that came up on shore, and uh, it turns out a monster made its way to the island, so it starts attacking and killing everyone. Uh, Emmett and Reagan are able to escape and make it to this radio station, um, and, and there's kind of like a car chase scene too, which really reminded me of like Jurassic Park. Did, did, did you get any vibes of that there? 
Uh, yeah, a little bit. And that was a really well done, really well shot scene as well. Instead of the car, the camera being in the back seat, the camera's kind of like on the dash this time, and we see the monster mm-hmm. jump up onto the car from the back, and it's yeah, really cool. Yeah, like a good jump scare here. It's, it's pretty good. The monsters look good in this, too. The CGI was very well done. They looked good, but uh, I, I was wondering, uh, you ever watch that show Stranger Things? Mm-hmm. You don't think it's the exact same monster? We've talked about how, I think we talked about in the review of the first movie, how they do look pretty similar. Yeah, yeah, the whole kind of face opening up kind of thing. And really, Uh, I think they both look pretty similar to the monsters from Resident Evil called Lickers. Or maybe they first appeared in Resident Evil 2, I can't remember. Oh, okay, okay. Cool. But that doesn't bother you so much that there's some overlap from the monster? No, not really. It's a cool design. Yeah, yeah, it's a cool design. I'm not sure if you ever get close enough, though, to like fully appreciate the details of the monster, but I, I think you get like a sense of an overall shape and an, an anatomy, I guess. We disagree right. a lot on this movie. <laughs> <laughs> I think they show them pretty close, especially in that train scene, the abandoned train. The yeah, monster's he's... face is right in the camera. Yeah, and we get some shots this... like down into their like ear holes. and mm-hmm. You, you many... get a pretty intricate s- detail of the monster. How many arms and fingers would you say these monsters have? <laughs> Shut up. <laughs> That's what I'm talking about. <laughs> Do we know the details? Uh, of They've like, got yeah. two arms and two legs. I can't tell you how many fingers. I want to say four. They have two arms and two legs? I, th- I thought they had more for some reason. No, uh, no. Huh. Okay, okay. They, they move pretty quick for just being four-legged or four-armed creatures. That I mean, that's part of why they move fast. So yeah. you don't necessarily get to see one, like, sleeping where you have time to count all those fingers. <laughs> yeah, Stand yeah, up yeah. in the theater and start pointing with your finger at the screen <laughs> and count them. I was going to keep trying to do that. People get something to sit down. <laughs> <laughs> it's okay, guys. I'm going to ask Brian a stupid question later. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Because I know he's going to think he knows all these monsters inside and out. Uh, no, I I think they, they, they do like give you a, a good amount of screen time with like especially their face and stuff. But I don't know, part of me kind of felt like their bodies to me are some kind of brownish thing of which encompass a number of limbs, which I'm I'm still not sure how many they are, but uh, interesting. Um, but uh, yeah, they, so so they they make their way to this radio station, uh, to the sound studio. There's a, a monster there hunting them down, but Regan manages to. Uh, blast uh or sorry reagan manages to blast uh her earpiece into the microphone and, and the feedback gets broadcasted disables the monster that's in the radio station with them and she's able to kill it with uh, I, th- I think what looked like a metal pole and then at the same time similar to the other time we were talking about where you have all these sequences evelyn and marcus are being attacked uh in the vault and um if just in time I, I guess that that feedback comes over the radio broadcast marcus blasts it and Marcus comes out and shoots the monster. So the movie kind of ends with both kids kind of rising up and killing the the monsters, which I thought was... Do you think that was kind of like a purposeful nod or, or progression to show, like, now the kids are the killers of the monsters? I thought maybe a little bit, yeah, because the story was very uh, based around Millicent Simmons' character mm-hmm. and her kind of taking over her dad's role in a bit like Emmett says that she's like her dad um yeah in a, in a like dramatic conversation between the two of them and yeah um yeah and it she's she's the star of this movie so she is, yeah. I think she's it was cool and the uh, Marcus's story arc was kind of 
getting over his fears. The very first scene of the movie is him playing baseball and he's afraid of every pitch. So mm. they kind of set him up as I not I don't want to like call him a scaredy cat or insult him, but like being timid um, yeah, and hesitant. Yeah. And then yeah. this last scene shows him like standing up for himself and getting some gumption. And then with his sister's help, I thought that was so cool that like she saved her family <laughs> via yeah. radio waves. It was really cool. Yeah, yeah, just in time. Like it could sound kind of silly to say it, but the way the direction and the score and everything was happening on screen, it just worked for me. It, it gave me a chill even. And like yeah. she picks up her weapon at the same time that Marcus picks up that gun. And right. we kind of see the look on the mom Evelyn's face too, that like, obviously it's, this situation is so intense that the primary emotion is like, okay, finally, like he's going to kill that thing and we'll be safe. But mm-hmm. there's also, I think a little bit of being proud of her kid and seeing him, grow up right before her eyes because the movie kind of started with her giving him a pep talk yeah. about not being afraid yeah. to go up there and bat and uh and it ends with her you know proudly looking on as he saves the yeah. family that's every parent's proudest moment when their kid picks up a gun <laughs> does what they need to do. <laughs> no I, I agree though like uh, in, in film I think this this scene like works really well and it was like pretty climatic and really cool to have those sequences going back and forth and showing them both coming into that at the moment um, but I, I don't know like when you read it on paper though like is it kind of like too much of a coincidence that like just as she's like blasting it he's like like he's he's got the headphones on and he hears it coming and he's able to I mean it's, it's a huge coincidence right um, he's in a, the little tiny tank where the headphones were. It didn't, the way they set it up, it didn't seem so coincidental. And um, he's got the hurt leg, so he's been really enjoying just listening to that radio, that one song. And and it's been like 444 days since they heard music. Yeah, yeah. So he's just jamming out there. Yeah. Um, but they are under attack of a monster, and so that, that whole time he's kept his headphones on. I wonder if there were any headphones. Did they listen to any music in the first one? Um, uh, nobody was like next to him, and you you know when you're next to your headphones, you can hear a little bit. Sure, sure. Of what's going on? Yeah, yeah, that's a good point. Uh, oh, you know, in the first poking one, holes. Yeah, in the first one, actually, there's a really good scene with with music uh, where I think uh, the the husband and wife are like listening to music on earphones while like they slow dance or something. Oh but yeah, okay, all right. That was a really touching scene. So it hasn't been that long since they heard music. Yeah, yeah. Uh, so it sounds like you hated this film. <laughs> no, what do you think? You sound like you're a big fan of it. I was a big fan. I just thought it was a, maybe a popcorn movie. It was a thrill ride, but it was very well done, well written. Characters were well developed. You were invested in all of their arcs. Uh, it had some deep emotional moments, too. It's kind of like Popcorn Plus. Yeah. Um, and for what it is, a PG-13 action horror movie, I'm not sure what they could have done much better. I mm-hmm. I love the theme of her kind of taking up the mantle and, and being the one to go out and try for bigger and better things and save the family and change the world, like trying to broadcast her secret weapon. Like, yeah. the movie ends on the sh- shot of her hearing aid next to the mic in the radio station to signify they figured out how to reproduce her secret weapon on a mass scale like right that's a that's cool that's a cool concept maybe it's a little hokey but uh it really works in the movie and uh it sets sets you up for a third one like you said sure 
Yeah, uh, yeah. I loved it. I thought the direction was really cool. Like we said about those those oneers showing how things go from like normal life to horrible. They kind of replicated again on the island. Their normal life goes to shit um, when the monster comes on, and it's a really cool both times. Really cool. Really effective. Mm-hmm. Um, and it was just super efficient. This was like an hour and a half movie. Oh yeah, timing was very tight. Yeah, they did a really good job. And I thought the acting was good all the way around. Yeah, you had a great cast here. Like, uh, and yeah, I feel like acting was on par with the first one. So yeah. yeah, yeah, yeah. And no, uh, you had a good dynamic between Millicent Simmons' character and Cillian Murphy's character. He was a bit more like, now, like we stay here, we lay low, keep a low profile. There's nothing we can do but survive. And she was, she was wanting something more. Yeah. Right. Right. Yep. Typical youth. Yeah, was, yeah, and there was a bit right. of a push and pull between them and an emotional through line, too, because Lee was his close friend, and he had lost his son and mm-hmm. his wife, so there were some yeah. good moments there. Yeah, yeah. I, I, I think your description is really good about, like, Popcorn Plus. Like, uh, and, and it's weird, because I, I wouldn't describe the first film as, like, a popcorn film. I felt like that was, like, a very emotional, heavy uh, movie, like, kind of showcasing uh, this family, like, dealing with the loss of uh, their child in, like, the opening sequence and, like, the distance that it puts between the father and, and the daughter. But then in this one, I feel like a lot of that emotional uh, distance is gone. And, yeah, you've kind of transitioned into this popcorn movie, but they still have, I guess, some of those underlying currents of, like, a kid trying to step into like a, a lost parent or um a, a father who's like lost their kids uh trying to like find hope in the world again too so uh they they definitely it definitely felt like they just went bigger and maybe like less play on the emotional side but like more focus on uh like the, the bigger kind of picture of like what's going on in the world and in action wise yeah that makes sense and there is some part of me that feels maybe the movie feels a little bit rushed mm-hmm. um Though it is emotional and there are great relationship moments in this movie, they don't take much time to mourn the loss of their father, uh, of Lee. Yeah, yeah. Um, so that feels like maybe it's a little bit rushed over. Uh, granted, they just lost him like the day before, and this they're in some shit, so they got to focus on what's in front of them. Right. But right. Uh, yeah, I can kind of hear what you're saying there. The the first one had just such a strong like family dynamic because you only had like those three or four characters like all talking to each other the whole time and it was all about their relationship. Whereas in, in this movie they're barely together in the movie, right? Like uh, you don't have like a lot of scenes with uh, the mother and uh, Reagan or uh, even like talking scenes between Marcus or or the mother. So it's yeah. kind of interesting to see the family all split up in this one. Yeah, they are split up for a good chunk of the time. That's a good point. Yeah, yeah, but um, but yeah, I I think you're right. This is a different movie. They they're going more popcorny. Um, and uh, yeah, it just felt like a good transition there. Um, camera work and acting, yeah, I think those are good calls. And I thought the scene setups too were very interesting, like the settings they used and how they would set up the scares and stuff, like between the abandoned steel factory, uh, the the whole dock scene, the the island, the small town attack, all, all like very good uh, settings. Whereas like in the first one, you're mostly just on like this uh, the, their house, right? Yeah, yeah. The first one had. It's hard to say this because this I do think this sequel was very tense, but the first one, I'll go back to the alien aliens thing. It operated more on tension and a little bit, I'm tempted to call it scariness, even though I wouldn't have called that a scary movie, but it was more like claustrophobic tension and this one, yeah, was like broader scale action. Yeah. Still very tense, but it was more fast pace, mm-hmm. more action oriented. Yeah, yeah. 
Yep. Yeah, definitely. They're, yeah, um, they are they are a different type of movie. Yeah, yeah, right, right. Um, and you don't think uh, pushing the envelope a little, a little bit, like going into the art territory, and maybe when you are going more into the action area, diving into maybe some gore or more like kind of gross stuff would have given this movie a bit more of an edge? I never once, that never once crossed my mind. Yeah, yeah. I mean, right. yeah, it probably would have, but it's just not that, it's not that movie. I yeah, don't think it should yeah. have tried to be. Sure, sure. Yeah, no, it, it definitely, I wonder if like that might have felt out of place given like where this franchise is going and stuff. Did you see this um, with Kyle? I did, yeah. Is that an idea that Kyle put into your head? <laughs> did Kyle tell you that? <laughs> no, no, it's just something I was thinking about afterwards. Uh, that, yeah, I, I just feel like uh, we, we've been seeing a lot like a more gorier stuff. And it was interesting to see kind of like a, a tame, tamer movie. But um, I, I think you're right. Maybe that's just like the brand of this. But then when you draw the comparison to like movies like Alien and Aliens, um, those are R, and I, I think they capitalize on a lot of those kind of like gore stuff. So interesting that this would uh, do like accomplish a lot of like the similar things without being um, more like on the nose with that stuff. I don't want you to ever say that you're not into gore ever again. <laughs> I mean, there's a big difference between like gore and then like some of the crazy stuff that you like to watch <laughs> <laughs> all right all right torture porn kind of category yeah yeah all right what uh, what else what what are your other problems with this movie well i i think i mean we, 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 there are a lot of uh plot holes here right like uh why would aliens invade in uh, a con- uh, a planet that uh is mostly water if they don't know how to swim um, why wouldn't <laughs> that signs would be the the chief uh, oh, sure. yeah. manager to forward your complaint to on that one? That's true. <laughs> you got to start there before you come to this one. <laughs> I mean, I live on this planet. I, I can't swim very well. That's true. I, I hate beaches. Um, second, uh, why on the radio didn't they just have a broadcast that says, "Hey, everyone, we're on this island. Come!" versus uh, playing some like uh, arbitrary song. Hmm. Because they would have to. Wow, that's a good question. Um, yeah, I don't, like, I don't know, know if know I, I don't know if I have an answer for that. Yeah, yeah, but I mean, I mean, you, you can't why wouldn't really, like, you just say, "I'm he- we're all here on this island." <laughs> yeah, grab a boat. <laughs> Bring some, some hot, hot dogs. dogs. Yeah, <laughs> we're all out. We ran out months ago. Yeah, um, yeah exactly. That's a really good question. I can't think of an answer for that. I was going to be like, well, the record doesn't make, it transmits sound, but it doesn't have to make sound um, mm-hmm. within the studio. But that doesn't matter because they're on an island. Yeah, right. There are no monsters there. Huh. Yeah. I don't know. I, Maybe they didn't want to um, spare the guy to be up there talking the whole time. Yeah, maybe, maybe. Or maybe they're trying to like uh, prevent against... Um, people like the, those ones who were on the docks uh, so they were trying to make it a little more encoded I, or something. Th- that was where I was going to go, yeah. yeah. And they also talk about how when they first learned that these things couldn't swim everyone was like trying to get on a boat and like mobbing the place and making all sorts of noise and they just all got slaughtered and barely any boats made it out. So yeah, maybe they wanted to yeah. make it a, a bit more uh, a bit more <laughs> challenging. Sure, sure. Yeah, yeah. It's kind yeah, of their yeah, immig- immigration plan. Sure. <laughs> yeah. 
<laughs> yeah, yeah, exactly. Uh, just people who can figure this out. Uh, well, yeah, kind of a slow trickle versus getting everyone at once. Right. Um, what about uh, her whole end goal here to get that feedback onto the microphone? Uh, to, are people on the mainland like going to hear that and realize, oh, cool, I can use this to kill monsters? Like, would you have to like send instructions out with that? Or how, I, I don't know, is it realistic to assume people are going to know what to do with that sound? I think that would be for the next movie, man. I don't, I don't know if that's a judgment you could pass on to this one. Because all this movie yeah. really did was have her do it just to, like, help her brother, I guess. Sure. Yeah, um, yeah. Yeah. Okay. Yeah, good question, but I don't, I don't think that it's uh, critical to the success and the logic of this movie. Uh, so, uh, he, you know, that th- this would have helped her brother. I think her staying with them and using it as she was using it through an amp is probably your most control to, like, help the people you love. I feel like her going to the radio station was to get to a broader audience, and it was just coincidental that her brother happened to be at the radio at that time while they're being attacked by a monster. Otherwise, if she was there with them, uh, they would have just used that. I mean, she kind of almost in a way, like, disarmed them by leaving with that critical earpiece that was needed. That's fair, but I think the philosophy was they were about to run out of food and water in that place and they couldn't they couldn't stay there. I don't really know why they left their house in the first place. That would be my biggest question. Sure. Yeah, um, I was wondering that too. I think it was more like two birds, one stone. Hey, if there's this island where we can live without fear of these monsters, Yeah. I want to go to there. And secondly, if I can figure out how to weaponize this on a mass scale and it works like yeah then we're on to something sure they sure. just have to figure yeah. out what song to play after beyond the sea to let people know <laughs> they don't like this noise yeah yeah exactly exactly yeah yeah they gotta think of a whole new radio program now fight for your right to party by beastie boys that's a good start yeah <laughs> pump up the I'll volume pump up the volume yeah uh all about that bass <laughs> yeah. Uh, but no, yeah, you can't be all about that base. That would that's yeah, not going to work out well. This is all trouble. Yeah. <laughs> uh, yeah, 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 yeah. I mean, I'm curious. So, so you, do you feel like the third one's going to pick up like right here, as kind of like the second one picked up right after the first one? I think that would be a good choice. Mm. Yeah. Now they're kind of going out and fighting more monsters. I guess it's hard for me to see how that where the story would come together, but that, that's a good uh, that's a good premise. Yep, yep. Um, do you feel like uh, you got enough of like the dock worker? Like, I mean, I, th- I think they hit on this idea of there are these group gangs of people um, who are obviously you know out there take advantage of others. Uh, do you feel like you saw enough of that, or did you want to see more of that group? I yeah, I saw enough of it. You wanted to see a t- completely different movie. You wanted to see a gory face off with uh, bad guys. I basically well wanted Zack Snyder. Th- yeah, yeah, I wanted right, Zack Snyder to direct this. I wanted to see how the monsters like impregnate humans and and uh, have babies. Uh, <laughs> wanted to see things not come full circle. Yeah. <laughs> no, no, I I I like this man. I, I thought it was really good, good, good movie, uh, solid, and and a great great action sequences. Um, but yeah, I, I'm just uh, wondering if there were some un- ter- turned uh, opportunities. But I don't think there were too many. But th- those are like the two or three that I could think of. All right. But no, I actually appreciate they didn't go into like the more like background of the uh, the dock workers or the people on the dock because that's I feel like where a lot of post apocalyptic movies focus and that gets kind of uh, repetitive, right? Yeah, I'm kind of sick of like there are monsters, but who are who's the real monsters? 
people treating each other like shit. Like, I get it, but it's overdone. Yeah, 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 agreed. Uh, one thing I, I want to see if you picked up on this. There's a trope that people always talk about, like, the, the black dude in the movie always gets killed first, right? Oh, did, yeah, unfortunately. Did you that... pick up... Yeah, twice in this movie. Like, the two uh, black actors you had, or black characters you had in this film, die. Like, one in the opening scene trying to save the, the family, and then... Uh, in the closing scene, trying to say the family, those, those two guys uh, died. Do you think that was uh, uh, specifically done to play to that horror trope, or what, what do you think was happening there? I don't think Krasinski would have done something that deliberate. I think it's an unfortunate... I don't want to call it a coincidence, because I think we're all realizing how subconsciously racist we all are yeah. uh, but yeah it's just unfortunate i don't think it was any any deliberate thing to play on tropes that would be a mm. dicey dicey territory to yeah try to make some sort of a satire or commentary in this movie that's not the type of movie for that so i think it's just uh unfortunate right right yeah yeah i know that's, that's a weird coincidence uh that yeah those two characters i uh, went that way um, all right, man. Uh, any, anything else uh, that you want to call it on this one? Uh, no, I think I think we hit everything I liked about it. Um, okay. Yeah, give me a give me a scale. Uh, yeah, uh, one to five uh, feedback over the radio. Uh, dust bowls of feedback over the radio. Would you, how many would you give this one? I'm between four point five and five decibels. Nice. Um, okay. My gut was five, so that's what I'm going with. Yeah. But um. The, the fact that it feels a little bit rushed sometimes and that they maybe don't mourn Lee's character as much tempts me to bring it back down to like a 4.5. But mm. the movie just kind of is what it is. It's like for a half hour and a half thrill ride. Yeah. I'm not sure that it could really be much better. Ah. Yeah, exactly. I'll, I'll give it a 4. Point. No, I'll stick with my gut. I'll give it a 5. Nice, nice. Okay, cool. What yeah, are you, what are you going to give it? Uh, you know, I, I, I kind of struggled. I was struggling actually between a four and a four and a half. I mean, the first one is obviously a five uh, for me. Hopefully that's what I gave it. Uh, but yeah, I, I felt like this one uh, took what worked really well in the first one, put it on a broader scale, more of a blockbuster hit, bigger budget, but I missed some of the emotional weight that the first one had between some of the characters. So for, for that reason, and I, I don't think uh, that's what they were going for here, which is uh, it makes sense in the context of like a great popcorn movie. So four and a half, like just a, a great popcorn movie. All right, I did not see that one coming. Oh, <laughs> yeah, yeah, uh, yeah, man. No, I I thought it was really good actually, and great camera work. And obviously, like the way they play with sound in this movie, um, both to like the because the creatures can hear so well, and then you have this main character who is uh, hearing impaired. I, I just love that dynamic of how they use that to uh, you know factor into the viewing experience. Yeah, indeed, really, really smart. Yeah, uh, what did uh, Kyle think? Oh, he loved it. Yeah, he he had a really, really great time with it. I, I think part of it was like being back in the theater, but uh, yeah, he also just uh, thought it was really well done. But we both kind of admit that there were like a lot of plot holes in it, but it, it doesn't seem like the type of movie you want to go back and try to uh, solve stuff for. Yeah, I maintain that when movies have a, pre- a premise that's so outlandish and specific as this, there are just going to be plot holes. And not that they should be excused, but uh, that... I just feel like if you 
you would either not make movies with as extreme premises of th- as this or as imaginative yeah. of a premise, or you would get bogged down in the details of trying to cover all your bases and it would take away from yeah. the plot. Totally, totally. Yeah. And that's one thing I love about this film. I, I don't feel like they're ever trying to explain stuff or like go into like backstory. Like you basically know like everything you need to know uh, without like needless details or anything, which I, I feel like so many movies go wrong trying to over explain things. Yeah. Yeah, for sure. It just keeps right on pushing forward and uh it doesn't doesn't miss a beat. Yeah, right, right. Awesome, man. Well, uh yeah, I'm I'm excited for the third one. Yeah, whenever we get that one. Yeah. I'm get, yeah, it sounds right. like we might get a spin-off first. Cool. Cool. Yeah. I mean, what do you think the spin-off would be? Would it be like a prequel on the aliens? I think uh, it's oh. going to be one of these aliens named Rhoda and just like a sitcom. <laughs> I hope so. Living in Minneapolis, <laughs> New York City. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> yeah. Uh, that'd be good. Uh, How many fingers yeah. do I have? <laughs> no wonder I can't type that well. <laughs> yeah. Oh Maybe yeah, a that's job. that's a good one. It's got an office job. Yeah, yeah, it's got an office job exactly. <laughs> Somebody's computer monitor is emitting a high pitched noise, and only he can hear it. <laughs> How's this not killing everyone else? <laughs> <laughs> Has that ever happened in your office before and only people like below 40 can hear it? <laughs> no, no, I, I, I haven't had a thing of you. That happened a few times in my old office in Chicago and like some of us could hear it and some of us couldn't and it would drive wow. some of us bonkers. Oh man, yeah, that'd be the worst. I, I don't know how you could tolerate that. Be rough. Maybe that was the inspiration for this movie. Yeah. <laughs> But hey, how how do you suppose, I guess this is like a, a needless plot hole, but uh, aliens, they came to Earth. Uh, how, how do you drive a spaceship uh, if you can't see? Uh, echolocation. How does a bat uh, fly? Yeah, yeah. But there's no sound in space. Uh, does that have any meaning here? Oh, shit. You're good. I don't man. know. Yeah. Um, hmm. I think I think they'll explain it all in the third one, probably. No, that I mean that's a that's a fair question. You've, yeah, you've got yeah. me stumped. Good yeah, question. Yeah, I don't Because because they are they're entirely blind, right? They're entirely blind. Yeah. So that's a really good question, man. Hmm. All right. Hmm. Maybe all right. Out all right. The third installment. That's on you to answer Ashwin's question. <laughs> yeah, and and hopefully we'll figure out the finger situation. Yeah. Cool. All right. Well, anything else? That's it. Good questions, right. man. Thanks, man. <laughs> I'll keep them coming at you. <laughs> I think I think you answered most of them pretty well. Uh, all right. Well, that's it on our discussion on A Quiet Place 2. If you enjoyed this episode, please leave us a five-star rating on Apple Podcasts. That's going to help other people find our show, and we always appreciate the feedback and reviews. If you want to join our discussion, you can find our social links on HorrorMovieClub.com or shoot us an email at podcast at HorrorMovieClub.com. We'll be announcing next week's movie on Facebook and Twitter in case you want to watch it before the next episode. We also are on Discord, and you can join us and other horror fans on there to talk about horror films, this movie, podcast episodes, and all types of other things. Uh, We also have a Patreon page in case you want to support the show. You can find that at patreon.com slash horrormovieclub. Our logo is by Amy Mae Popart. She has some great merchandise, uh, both for our show and uh, just other really great stuff, so I'd recommend checking that out on Etsy.com. Until next time, if you're out in space and looking for a planet to invade, maybe consider skipping out uh, on a planet.
planets that has a lot of water if you don't know how to swim. Or just learn how to swim, I guess, before you go out conquering other planets. Maybe they don't have water. Yeah, shoot. Well, you know, on a spaceship you could build an indoor pool pretty easily, right? <laughs> I don't know. But yeah, I guess if you don't have water to begin with. You're right, and you're great. limited on your fingers, so building that. Yeah. Ooh, maybe tricky. bring bring one of those uh, floaties that you put around your arms. <laughs> the third and <laughs> moment, they're all going to be wearing the wacky water wings. <laughs> yeah. Man, they, they would take over the planet if they had those. They just... <laughs> That's what they did. Oh man, that could be God. awesome. They've discovered waterways. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> they got those like, what are those called? Noodles or something? They yeah, cool noodles. Yeah. <laughs>